You're listening to episode 225 of the FitzPro podcast, and today we are going over tips for injury prevention and strength and hypertrophy training. Now, to be clear, I am not a physical therapist. I am simply a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I have a degree in exercise and sports science. This is for educational purposes only. You need to consult with a physician, chiropractor, physical therapist, some other medical professional to make decisions in your training if you are currently experiencing pain. Today's episode will hopefully bring to light some things that you can focus on within your training that may help prevent injury specific to what we can control within weightlifting. So if you are a coach, if you are a trainee, without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average Fitzbo. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a Fitzpro. I do want to start off by thanking Legion Athletics, the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. They are the sponsor of this podcast. I love all their products. They recently came out with the vitamin K and magnesium on the supplement side of things. I mean, they are a supplement company, but on the maybe vitamins and minerals side of things, check that out. If you haven't, you know, I'm a big fan of their pulse, their recharge and their whey protein. That is their non-stim pre-workout. They also have stim pre-workout, but mama does not need 350 milligrams of caffeine before she goes and lifts weights. My heart would be pounding through my chest, just not necessary for me. I know some people that mix the stim and the pre-stim and they that works well for them. The beta alanine is what you are going to, it's what's going to cause the tingling feeling that some people get with the pre-workout. If that is something that you feel, normally it goes away within 15 minutes or so, but if something that bothers you, you don't need pre-workout. It can just help um, along with creatine, delaying fatigue, giving you a bit more energy, helping out your muscles during your workout to work harder for longer. That's the goal. So obviously whey protein is amazing. Check it out. If you haven't, Nate uses their plant protein, doesn't cause his tummy any problems. And mostly he likes the texture because plant proteins can be very chalky or gritty. And that is not the case with any of the Legion ones that he has tried. So go to buylegion.com, B-U-Y legion.com. Use code Annie at checkout for 20% off your first order or double Legion reward points. These four to five things that I'm going to go over are, in my opinion, just generally good practices if you are someone who lifts weights as the main form of fitness, or if you are a coach in the strength and hypertrophy world, definitely implement these into your program design if you are not already doing so. Again, I'm going to go over four to five things that may help prevent injury. They're just good practices within weightlifting, in my opinion. Number one, you've heard me talk about it before, is movement prep. I first heard this term through active life when I was in their, well, actually before I was in their immersion course, just through their their programming, through their Instagram and whatnot, but learned about it specifically when I took their immersion course, which I don't believe is a thing anymore. 
but I highly suggest learning from them if program design is something that you're interested in. Movement prep is specific to prepping the joints and muscles used that day. You might just refer to this as a warm-up or maybe a specific warm-up versus like a full body warm-up. So for example, doing a Bulgarian split squat rock back before a squatting day or doing shoulder cars, uh, joint articulations, or prone Y raises before doing a shoulder press day. It's going to, again, prep the muscles and the joints, getting them in those full ranges of motion before using them under load for the lift that you are doing that day. If you were programming this for a one-on-one client, these movements would be individualized based on assessments and strengthening weak points or strength balance testing that you have done with that client. This can also totally be used in a templated program though. So you can absolutely address general issues, places that we see common imbalances that we know people have, for example, doing tibialis taps. So your tibialis anterior, which is that kind of big muscle on top of your shin bone to the to the slightly outside of your shin bone or ankle dorsiflexion work uh, before a squat day or scapular pull-ups or push-ups before bench press or overhead press day. Generally, people lack ankle dorsiflexion, which is when you're pulling your toes up towards your shin. And also they lack a control of their scapula or their shoulder blades. Many people cannot control and move their shoulder blades within full range of motion or again, just actually control them. So maybe they have the passive range of motion, but they lack the controlled mobility of that. These are some common things we see. So you could totally, like I said, take those common issues that we know people tend to have and implement exercises that can address those common issues if you are writing a more templated program. So by focusing on movement prep and implementing this before a lift, you may be mitigating possible weak points or gaps that you have within uh, muscular imbalances, as well as just movement patterns and improving those movement patterns, ranges of motions, comfortability within a lift, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're not currently doing movement prep, if you're just kind of doing a general warm up, maybe try two to three exercises before each lift, not before each lift, before each day to prep the body better for the lifts that you are going to be asking it to perform. The next one is using RPE. And this may seem simple, but simply working at an appropriate rate of perceived exertion is very important for training. I think it's one of the best things that has come out of weight training in a while, being sure that whatever load you're working at is not exceeding your capacity for a given movement. What I mean by that is that you can complete all of the reps with proper form and little to no pausing. That's what we're looking for when we're doing a challenging RPE. We want it to challenge the muscles. We don't want it to break the movement pattern. We don't want it to be causing energy leaks that it's such a difficult load. And if you missed it, I recently did an episode on energy leaks and weak points in your strength training and and things that you can implement in order to improve that. So be sure to check that out if you haven't. The other kind of rule of thumb I have, well, first we'll go back to RPE. So RPE is rate of perceived exertion. It was first made on a scale of one to 20. Now it's most commonly used on a scale of one to 10, 10 being zero reps left in the tank, maximum effort. That does not have to be a one rep max, by the way. That means that you're going to failure 
Okay. So RPE of 10 is not the same as a one rep max. It certainly can be, that would be a one rep max, but also it could be a set of eight that is to failure. So when I say RPE and rate of perceived exertion, that is what I'm talking about. A one would be very, very, very easy. Typically in weight training, we don't see anything below a six being used. You wouldn't program that because at that point it becomes very difficult to determine like, oh, do I have six reps left in the tank? It would just be a very easy load at that point. So the next thing that I want to talk about is using conservative weight. And this is something that I wish I could go back and slap like 21 year old Annie across the face with just a real, real firm contact to the cheek. Always start conservative and build from there. You do not need to go ham. Leave your ego at the fucking door. Start with conservative weight and build. Don't be afraid to drop weight. If load does happen to exceed your capacity for a given lift. If something gets too hard, it's fucking too hard. Lower the weight. This is particularly helpful in coming back from injury or a rehab phase, but it is also just a general good rule of thumb with weightlifting. You can always start conservative. And then if something is too easy, if you have more than two reps left in the tank, great, that was a warm up set add some load, and we're going to get to a point where we have a proper working set, a load where we might have one to two reps left in the tank. Generally speaking for hypertrophy or strength training, that's what we're going to be after when we're looking at RPE. So kind of marrying this idea of starting conservative with weight and also using RPE well, these can, I hope, help mitigate and prevent injury. It's just making wise decisions with our load when looking at weightlifting and programming. The next thing that is very wise to use is tempo. And this is getting a lot of buzz, but I've been talking about tempo for the last seven freaking years. I learned the phrase slower down than up again from active life during their immersion course. This almost goes in all of my programming unless there is a specific tempo that I want people to use, but generally it's like a 2-1-1 or a 3-1-2 tempo. That just means that we have an intentional tempo. We're not just going through the motions and we are generally having a slower eccentric than a concentric. Now there are times where we want a very fast tempo and we want to be explosive, excuse me, that would be a 1x or a 0x the way that I write tempo. It can be fast, it can be slow, but generally we want to be intentional with the tempo so that people or ourselves are not just going through the motions. A kind of byproduct of this or like a proxy of this is that you're just more mindful in your actual training. If we are controlling the tempo, maybe we have better form. Maybe there's less room for error. I'm not saying that's guaranteed. I'm just saying that by proxy, using a controlled tempo may help also improve movement patterns and control. The next piece of programming is rest and actually taking it. You need rest, especially if strength or hypertrophy are your goal. The research shows that you taking rest is actually going to be helpful for better muscular adaptations. So the thought here is we are avoiding working at, when we're talking about injury, we're avoiding working at challenging loads while under fatigue. That's muscular fatigue, that's central nervous system fatigue, particularly true with 
the high central nervous system or just general nervous system demand. So larger compound movements or explosive movements, we want to give our body time to rest and recover in between our sets. And that's just a good practice for, like I said, either hypertrophy or strength, depending on which one is your focus and or both. Another thing we can do is managing volume. Well, first I'll, I'll go back. Lots of going back here, apparently. With rest, it's going to be one to two minutes is like a, a general good rule of thumb. You're probably going to get enough rest if you're working at like an RPE of seven or eight for most of your sets. If you're resting one to two minutes, that's enough rest to recover to a point where you can safely perform your next set and give it the effort that is needed in order to get the adaptations from the stimulus in your training that you want. So next up is managing volume. And I'm not talking about within one workout, but phase to phase or week to week. So we don't want big jumps, mainly increasing in volume from one week to the next week or from one phase so four to six weeks of training to the next four to six weeks of training. We do not want large jumps up in our volume. And if you do have a large jump, just be aware of that and that you're probably going to feel it. You're going to feel it in muscle soreness. You're going to feel it in your joints potentially. So just be careful with that and be sure that you are able to adequately recover or that you are prioritizing recovery if you do have a large jump up in volume. That really does bring us to our last point for the day, which is sleep and recovery. Generally speaking, I want you to prioritize this in all seasons of life as much as within your control. Remember that you're actually experiencing a catabolic event when we are weight training, if you want to experience the anabolic effect of working out, then sleep and recovery is where that's going to happen. So most systems in the body are working to bring you back to homeostasis, especially when you sleep. If you feel like shit, start your workout as is and see how you feel. Sometimes you just need to get moving. Sometimes we've been sedentary all day. Sometimes, you know, we didn't sleep that great, but actually when we start working out, things kind of feel good. The joints feel good. The muscles feel good. You can totally just continue as is. So even if your wearable, your whoop, your polar watch, your aura ring tells you that you slept like shit, yes, take that information in, but also just look at your own biofeedback and how things are feeling. If your muscles are cramping, if you noticed you're fatiguing way quicker than usual, then absolutely back off and give yourself more of a uh, deload day if that is needed. I think it goes without saying that using proper form is probably a good idea when it comes to any weight training, any resistance training, any exercise in general. It is not that proper form automatically mitigates any chance of injury or even that bad form inherently causes injury. As I mentioned, in any position, if tension that we have not experienced yet or recently, if we're detrained, exceeds our capacity within that position, no matter what the exercise is, we will likely experience injury of some kind, whether that is acute or chronic. So that is my point. That is where I will cut this episode off. I hope that it was helpful. And maybe, you know, you are using all of these things in your program design or with yourself, but it gave you some ideas and maybe how to implement that or what to focus on in the near future. If you found this episode helpful, give it five stars, leave a written review, all the things you know what to do. It just helps me get in front of other people who would not otherwise find the Fitz Pro podcast. So 
I appreciate it very much. Check out my mailing list. Go to anniemiller.co backslash news. If you are not already on my mailing list, there are exclusive podcasts and our discounts. Until next time, I'm Annie Miller, and thank you so much for tuning into the Fitzboro Podcast. Podcast.